Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you, God, for your presence, first of all. We thank you for a new day. We thank you for a new year. We thank you for the gift of Scripture. And as we open your word, may it instruct us, may it build us, may it guide us, may it even steady us today in uncertain times. Thank you, Father, that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Grant us the insight and wisdom we pray. But I pray it would be more than just information. It would bring about hope and transformation. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that prayer, we say amen and amen. Well, Happy New Year. Can you believe that? The fifth day of a brand new year, 2020. And of course, welcome to a brand new decade. And of course, we all know that the, the decade in which we were born is the best decade and of course, uh, the best decade is the 1920s, right, Don and Peggy? I pre-warned them before. For those who were born in the 1930s, I, can, I don't know if I can prove that here today, but I think we've got somebody who was born in each and every decade in the life of our church from the 1920s. All right, so I've mentioned a couple here. 1930s, of course, was the best decade, right? Anyone born in the 30s here today? There's a lot of people. Oh, there we go. Thank you. Thank you. We've got some hands up the back there. Let's go, let's go to the 40s because the 40s was the best decade ever, right? Here we go. We've got some hands down the front. I see that hand. Fantastic. Thank you, Wayne. And over here, over here, the 40s. And of course, the 50s was even better than the 40s. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. We're getting there now. 50s. Fantastic. And this is, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the baby boomers. Is that right? Baby boomers. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, then we've got the 60s. Oh, yeah. oh, here we go. There we go. Oh, all right. As, you, as the, the decades move along, the noise gets louder. All right, the next decade really matters because you're with me on this one. Come on, come on. Uh, because the best decade, of course, is the 70s. Yeah? <laughs> Fantastic. The 70s, the 70s, the 70s. Then, of course, we move on to the best decade of it all. The, the, anyone from the 80s? Oh! <laughs> the 80s. Oh, the 80s. Oh. Some great music from the 80s, right, Royce? Yeah, yeah. And of course, there were the 90s. Anyone from the 90s? All right, we've got a few from the 90s. Welcome, welcome. The 90s, the 90s were the great decades and great music from the 90s. Not as good as the 80s or the 70s or the 60s or 50s or 40s or 30s, even the 20s, of course. It was great music. Um, and then what have we got? Uh, where have we got with the 90s? Let's go. I think they call it, the, help me out here. I think they call it the noughties. Oh, oh, here we go. We've got, we got some naughty people in the house today. <laughs> the noughties, that's from like 2000 or 2010, something like that, is that right? Something like that. And then, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that, uh, that some children might be in the house or the parents might like to go, in fact, uh, Alexandra's here, that was her birthday the other day. And uh, for, I think they call it the tweens, does that make sense? The tweens, so between 2010 and, no, what is it? 2010 and 2020, something like that. So uh, uh, Alexandra's here to represent that age group. Happy birthday for the other day. Alexandra turned seven. And of course, that's the best decade, right? Fantastic. <laughs> but there's an opportunity as we move into a brand new year, a brand new a decade. There's something that I love about that, that we have, I don't know about you, the opportunity, first of all, to reflect on this last 12 months. I don't know if you do that. I sometimes sit down and I reflect about the last 12 months, how certain areas 
certain areas of my life have been in the last year. There's an opportunity also to, to press reset, to readjust and to refocus our lives. But I don't know about you, each and every day, I consider an absolute gift. None of us, I remember Bruce, Brother Bruce uh, Stocks here doing a great job. I remember a few years back he reminded us that, um, uh, that none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. And uh, each of us have this gift of today. Plan for tomorrow, but live for today. And uh, I don't know about you, maybe some of you are here today. You might get a little bit vulnerable with me just for a moment, if that's right, with a show of hands. You don't have to, but you're relieved. You're kind of relieved that this last year, 2019, is gone. Yeah? Yeah. Yep, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks for being vulnerable. I don't know your circumstances. Of course, God does. You do. Maybe family members do. But you're relieved that in a way that last 12 months is just gone. Out of curiosity, out of curiosity, can I also get a show of hands? How many of you kind of set resolutions, like goals for the next 12 months? You kind of, you know, spend a bit of time. We've got a few hands kind of thrown up in the air there. Fantastic. Thanks for sharing with that. You may want to, uh, you know, change something within your life. You may want to get better at something. You might want to go to the next level in your life in a certain area. For example, some of us might want to lose some weight or we want to get out of debt or we want to quit a certain habit or we might want to spend some more time with family or friends or we might want to travel or learn something new or a new language or get more organized or we want to read a little bit more. We might want to spend a little bit less time on social media and things like that anyway. Can you identify with what I'm sharing, some of these kind of things that we want to improve on? Yeah, those kind of resolutions, those goals, because my New Year's resolutions, I want you to know is this, to simply to remember to write the correct date. <laughs> it's no longer 2019, Steve. Is anyone else find themselves still writing? Thank you, thank you. <laughs> but I have a challenge for us here today. I have a challenge, and um, it's going to stretch us just a little bit if we could just for a moment. I've got challenges for us this year, and I want us to look beyond just good intentions. I want us to look to God intentions. I want us to have some God intentions for this next 12 months because I kind of see good intentions, that, um, it's more about being me-centered, and that's okay, that's okay, we need a few of those little things, it's not a bad thing, um, but God intentions are, 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 are Jesus-centered. And so we're gonna look at moving from good intentions to being Jesus-centered, God intentions. Let me explain what I mean by this. Have you ever heard somebody say, or maybe you've said it yourself, I need to make some big changes in my life, yeah? I need to make some big changes in my life. Well, I would like to encourage you this morning with some good news. And here's the key thought in and around this good news, because it's not necessarily the big changes that we need to make, because it's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. Can I say that again? It's not necessarily, well, it's, it's the, often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. For example, for example, spiritual growth. 
I hope and pray that you're moving into this next 12 months with that sense of being intentional about growing spiritually. Of course, we're a church. Why wouldn't we speak about growing spiritually? And so uh, we encourage people here at Door of Hope to spend 20 minutes in the chair. We call it Daily Hope, 20 minutes in the chair, where you're spending time just you and God together, faithful in that small thing. Over the course of a 12-month period, that 20-minute discipline can change your life. That significant contribution to your spiritual growth, that small thing, can make a big difference. Are we getting the idea? Another example, exercise. Some of us come into the new year, don't we, kind of think, I'm going to do a little bit more exercise. I'm going to get a little bit more healthy. And so we spend 20, 30 minutes um, exercising, whether it's walking in the gym or doing your own thing or whatever it might look like. Accompanied, of course, alongside nutrition alongside good sleep, good rest, getting to bed on time, and drinking plenty of water. You see, that small thing makes a big difference over the course of a year. Another example is maybe for you, singles, is it okay if I just speak to married people just for a moment? I'll come your way just in a moment. But for married people, maybe to, to start a great marriage, and I've been reading about this just recently, that the most important thing this particular writer says, for a Christian marriage, beyond the shadow of a doubt this person wrote, is to, wait for it, this is a challenge, is to, is to pray together, Every day, to pray together every day. And some of us kind of retreat, kind of go, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be a 30-minute sermon kind of prayer time, but it's maybe a 30-second kind of prayer time, whatever would work for you, because the writer would go on and say that if you're actually praying together as a married couple, well, first of all, he says that you're probably talking, which is a good thing. You're probably talking to each other. Secondly, he would say that there's a spiritual connection that's taking place within your marriage, but also there's this friendship that is building because you're praying with each other. What I'm getting at is this, married people, is that one small discipline makes a big difference within your marriage. Single people, just for a moment, for you. Maybe that means coming alongside a, a, a similar type of person with you, another single, and, and maybe uh, getting in that, that sense of that, the prayer team, that prayer group, and praying alongside one another. Because it's often the small things, isn't it? It's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. Is that okay? Kind of set the scene? Can we move on from there? Because I want to go to Zechariah chapter 4. This is the text for this morning. Zechariah chapter 4. But it requires context very quickly. It looks a bit like this. God's people are without a temple. God's people are without a home. And uh, it's a pretty low point in, uh, in, in the history of God's people at this particular time uh, of the writing of Zechariah. And so we don't have a house for God. And we're also not where we are supposed to be. God's people are in captivity. There's, they're depressed. And God spoke into this situation in Zechariah chapter 4. He spoke to a king by the name of Zerubbabel. Can you say Zerubbabel? Yeah? Because I can't. <laughs> it's a funny name. Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel. And uh, God spoke to King Zerubbabel, and he says, I am going to give you the power to rebuild the temple. This is a pretty big assignment for, for Zerubbabel, but he gets this assignment from God. And so all of a sudden, hope, hope 
comes into the camp of God's people as they are about to rebuild the temple. We pick it up in verse 6 of Zechariah chapter 4 and it says this. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, not by power, nor by power. In other words, the temple will not be built in a way that you get credit for. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. By my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You see, you and I, we can try to change. We can try in our own power. And we can, let's admit it, we can make some incremental improvements in our own power. But it's as we tap into the power that is greater, the by my spirit kind of power that actually brings about greater transformation. Let me just explain a bit of a personal story just for a moment, if I could. I'm not proud of this one. But um, it's a time when I needed something fixed around the house. And uh, for some of those you would know, I, I'm, not, I'm not a handyman. And, uh, and I need a bit of help around the house. I'm not going to tell you who I ring up to, to say, please come and help me fix this in my house because you will then get onto that same person. I don't want to bombard them. They are my people. And... Uh, <laughs> But it's the time I wanted to fix something around the house or get something done. And, uh, and they come around and they come with their drills and they come with their, you know, their tools and things like that, which I'm very thankful because I don't have a lot of tools because I don't know what to do with them. <laughs> I've tried, haven't I? I've tried, it's just not good. Anyway, so they come around and it just doesn't take long for them at all. It's like a drill bit here and a drill bit here and a bit of a screw and all, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, within 10 minutes, it seems like that they're done. And I guess the bottom line, what I'm trying to say is that I could have fought all day with this particular bit in my ceiling or on top of my roof or whatever, in my own strength. But every now and again, you need a little bit of power drill strength with somebody who uh, knows what they're doing. <sighs> and so, thanks for listening, I feel better now. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that when you tap into um, my, by my spirit kind of strength, there's a strength beyond, isn't there? There's a strength beyond what you can muster up on your own. And maybe this morning you sit here and you sit, you, you're saying, I've tried I have tried, I have tried, I have tried, I have tried time after time. But this year, it will not be in your might. It will not be in your power. It will be by my spirit, says the Lord. Amen? And in verse 7, the story goes on in Zechariah. Let's continue the story. I like this story. It goes like this. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain. This is the rebuilding of the temple. Very important part of God's people. Uh, not, a, not even a mighty mountain will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. In other words, no force on earth is going to stop what God has put in place. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, just picture this for a moment if you could, the people will shout. And so God's anticipating something here in the story for Zerubbabel. 
this is what the people are going to do. May God bless it. May God bless it. That's what I stand there when my friend comes up and kind of helps me do this thing. I say, may God bless it. May God bless you, brother. Anyway, move on. Um, but I love, I love in this particular passage here, I love how that even the before the construction starts, that God already sees the end in mind. Before you even attempt to do what God has laid upon your heart to do, God knows what the result can be if we surrender, not in our power, not in our might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The story goes on, verse 8 to 10, Zechariah chapter 4. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of this temple, and he will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's army has sent me. This is key from where we're going to go to from here. Check this out. Do not despise these small beginnings. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. Do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work even begin. One stone, Zerubbabel, one stone, one stone, the next stone, the next stone. As I open the word each and every day, as I go for that walk each and every day, it's that beginning of small things that really matters to the heart of the Lord. It's going to bed on time, to feel better in yourself, about yourself, whatever that might mean for you. The Lord rejoices one stone at a time that you, as you make that start somewhere for whatever it is for you, that God rejoices to see you be faithful, the Word teaches us, in that small thing. And of course, I understand, because I live in the same world as you, and I understand that one of life's greatest challenge, particularly with social media these days, it's so often that when we look at somebody else's highlight reel, how they got to there, how they made it to there, and what it, you know, whatever it might look like, we forget what goes on behind the scenes, don't we? We forget what actually got them to there and got to them to that level, but they laid one stone at a time, and God rejoices to see you to be faithful within the small things. Let's talk about some Bible characters just for a moment. Let's talk about Daniel. I don't know if you know the story of Daniel. Daniel was a man of faith. There's a story about him in the lion's den, and there's a story about that in Daniel chapter 6, a great story. And here he is standing in the lion's den with that unwavering Faith, But the story surrounding it is that Daniel refused to bow to man. And he remained faithful. He was set up in an incredible way to fail. But he remained faithful to God and not to bow to man because he was faithful to the God of Israel. He was faithful to his God. And he knew of the new law that's recorded in chapter 6 of Daniel but he committed in his heart to remain steadfast in prayer and in praise to his God. And God 
ultimately used him to save a nation. But we forget, we forget. We kind of see Daniel up here in this unwavering faith and, and um, how God shut the, the mouths of the lions and how he was freed from that. But Daniel, we've got to remember that three times a day, Scripture teaches us that Daniel stopped everything year after year, whatever he was doing, and Scripture teaches us that he knelt down and prayed. He knelt down and prayed. It's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. What would that look like for you this year as you would kneel down, as you would pray? Maybe that's for you. What about King David? Let's go to David. King David, uh, a well-known character in the Bible, the youngest of seven sons, uh, a shepherd looking after sheep out in the field. Uh, He learned to be faithful. David learned to be faithful in the small things so God could trust him with the bigger things. And that faithfulness that David showed and declared out as a shepherd looking after the sheep opened the door of God's blessings in his life. He became a composer, a writer, a warrior, a musician, a faithful friend. He was described in Scripture as a man after God's own heart. That's right. And all of a sudden he becomes king because God saw him that he was faithful in the small and exalted him to a place that he was king over the people. Things that no one saw resulted in the big things that everyone wanted. And David, if you remember this, in Psalm chapter 27, I think it is, Psalm chapter 27 verse 4, David asked for one thing. One thing, he says, here it is. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. This year, within these last five days in 2020, have you had that opportunity just to, to be still and to know? Have you had that opportunity to gaze on the beauty of the Lord? Whether about, you know, about walking and just looking at a beautiful city that you and I we know that we get to live in. But David asked, David asked, if there is one thing, God, if there is one thing in the good times, if there is one thing in the, the bad times, in the challenging times, above all else, I desire, David says, to live with the presence of God in my life. I'm going to put it on to you just for a moment if I could. What is that one thing you desire from God? Maybe some of you are praying for somebody at the moment. Maybe to start uh, attending Alpha. Wouldn't that be great? Maybe some of you, that's your one thing you are desiring from God. Maybe some of you here this morning or participating online this morning, welcome. Maybe you're dealing with an addiction of some sorts. There's that stronghold in your life that you know that you know this one thing is keeping you from going further and deeper with the things of God in your life. Maybe for you, you need to invite God into those and the, the, God's uh, Holy Spirit to help you overcome this one thing, because it's no longer about your mind, it's no longer about your power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Maybe for you it's your marriage. Maybe it's not where you know God wants it to be. Maybe the one thing you desire over your marriage of God is that of healing and of hope. Maybe the one thing God wants you to do is for you to change your heart so he can then heal your marriage. Maybe that's the one thing you desire from God. Maybe in your singleness, you desire to be married in your singleness. Maybe the one thing for you is that God, in this moment of time, in the season that I am in, I declare that you are enough for my life. What one thing, what one thing, just like David, 
do you desire from God for 2020? What's the one thing? Let's go to Apostle Paul. Daniel, David, um, uh, let's go to Paul. Because Paul, of course, being a dominant figure in the New Testament, teaches us a, us a lot. This is the guy who persecuted the church. God transformed his life. He went to Alpha. And uh, God, no, he didn't. Bother. He didn't. Okay. I preached on, anyway, D- Damascus. Anyway, so uh, God changed his heart. And uh, he then uh, faced massive persecution himself. We taught in scripture about the apostle Paul, that this was the guy who was beaten. Yeah, He was shipwrecked. He was whipped. He was stoned. Not recreationally, by the way. But that's a bad joke. We move on. We move on. Bad joke. 2020. 2020. Wayne. Bit. Okay. Um, Where was I? So the Apostle Paul, he endured massive pain, massive pain. But he would, rather than thinking about his past, or rather than thinking about his hurt, rather than thinking about the persecution that kept coming his way, this is what he declared coming into his new year in Philippians chapter 3. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on how many things? I focus on this one thing. What does he say? Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Some of you need to hear this this morning. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on, Paul says, to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Paul was saying, I will not let my past, whatever's happened in my past, dictate my future, determine my future. It's time to let go. It's time for you, to some of you, to watch the movie Frozen. Sing it with me, come on. Let it go, let it go, let it go. (sighs) Something really serious, turning something funny. Let's get back serious. Um, (laughs) Let it go, it's time to let go. Because Paul, let it go. What does he say? Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Can I ask you a question this morning? When you focus on one thing, when you focus on one thing, as Paul focused on this one thing, forgetting the past, it's amazing what God can and will do. What are you holding on to from your past? Let's just think about that for a moment. As we come into this new year, what is it that we are holding on to? Unforgiveness, bitterness, hurt, and we bring it. It was like that big bag that we're holding. Uh, you can't really see it, but we, we're holding. It's just hard to walk. It's hard to move into our life. And maybe for you, you feel like you failed something or somebody. Maybe that is for you that you're holding on to, and you're internalizing it, and because you're internalizing, you're playing it through your mind, and it's bringing about a lot of torment in your mind and heart and life. Maybe you feel like you've let yourself down. Maybe you've compromised your own personal values, and you feel like in a way because of that, you've let yourself down, and there's not clarity about the future and about God and about church, and all that kind of stuff, that you feel that even God's holding this against you. And I want you to know this morning, first of all, that God loves you and you have been forgiven by God. Forgetting the past, forgetting the past, Paul says, and looking forward to what lies ahead. What one thing for you this morning? Some of you know it immediately. What one thing do you need to let go that we can learn from Paul this morning to let go of? Andrew referred to uh, the prophet Isaiah before. I'd like to bring that up again. A little different passage from Isaiah 43 says this. Forget the former things. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a what? 
I'm doing a, a new thing, a new thing. It's a new year. It's a new decade. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way. Some of you need to hear this this morning. I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. A couple of little stories just to finish off with, if I could, just this morning. That Jesus, he was approached. Uh, he visited the home uh, of Mary and Martha, a, a well-known story in the Bible. In Luke chapter 10, this particular story is recorded in and Mary, some of us know the story, but Mary is in, enjoying being in the presence of Jesus. Finally, Jesus is here. He's in our home. But Martha, Martha, Ma Martha, she's running around. She's busy, busy. She's a little bit frantic. We pick it up in Luke chapter 10. It says, but the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried. You're upset over all these details. Jesus himself says there is one thing. There is one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary, she's discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Mark chapter 10 is a story of a rich guy who encounters Jesus, and he asks Jesus the question, what is it, Jesus, that I need to do to inherit eternal life? That's a pretty good question. If you're in church this morning or participating online, that's a great question. You're in the right place to ask that question. And this same guy, well, this guy in Scripture, in Mark chapter 10, he asked Jesus, what is it do I need to do to inherit eternal life? He wanted to be on team Jesus. He wanted to follow Jesus. And we pick the story up in Mark 10, verse 21. He says, looking at the man, I love this, I love this, says this, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Is that the way people feel on the other side of you and your conversations? Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing, Jesus says, there is still one thing you haven't done. He told him, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. It's a very kind thing to do, isn't it? And you will have treasure in heaven. Then, after you've done those couple of things, Jesus' instruction to this particular person, then, he says, then come follow me. Go and do those few things and then come follow me. One thing standing in the way of completely following Jesus was what? Was material possessions. Was his security ultimately in wealth. But Jesus clarifies and says, it's in the way. It's in the way. You need to go and sell it and then come follow me. Verse 22 says... At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had what? He had many possessions. Let's focus on this story just for a moment, because he was unwilling to do one thing, unwilling to do one thing, which could, of course, change his entire life, his entire spiritual life, his entire eternal life, which would have benefited him immensely. But at a guess... I had a guess here this morning. Some of you, some of you maybe, over a period of years, God has shown you this one thing. And you live like this. You continue to hold on to it and not release it and let it go. And it, it's kind of like holding us back from where God wants us to be. What is it? What is it? You need to let go of once and for all. Maybe somebody you need in your life to help keep you accountable because you kind of drift into sin and that's not hard to do. You kind of drift into sin which messes you up. Maybe for you, Andrew talked about tithing before. 
haven't committed to that, but maybe you're working your way towards tithing, giving God your first and your best and trusting, trusting Him to bless the rest. Maybe for you, your one thing is to, to stop and to be still maybe for your 20 minutes in the chair because maybe God for you is, seems a little bit distant at the moment. Maybe for you, it's a connect group to, to grow deeper in your faith or a friendship, friendship group of sorts. But here's the challenge. I want to finish with this. Here's the challenge for 2020. It's very simple. It's very focused. But it's very doable as well. And it's this. Here's my challenge to you. To seek God. Don't go past that for a moment. To seek God for a one-word theme for your life that will direct your decisions and guide you in 2020. One specific word. And once you seek God on that, maybe put a verse to it. Put a, few, put a few words to it because this year, it will not be by your might. It will not be by your power but it will be by my spirit, says the Lord. And he will empower you to move forward. Uh, without confusing us too much, there are three words under the banner of Door of Hope Christian Church that guide and direct us as a church. Jesus, others, together. Jesus-centered, others-focused, together in community. These words help direct and guide us within our sermon series, with what we do in our mission to our community, with our 2020 vision, is prayerfully designed around these three words as we focus and bring clarity to our future. God leads us and guides us. But it's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing what God can do when you focus on one word. And I wonder, I wonder what your one word might be. I wonder. Give it a go. Connect. Faith, fight. I'm going to fight for my singleness. I'm going to fight for my marriage. Uh, generous. Um, beginning. Finances, journaling, serving, surrender, uh, forgiven, whatever it might be. Once you've landed on that word, and I'll come back to you in February, and I'm going to ask you, specifically you, there's a lot of people who weren't here, but uh, I'm going to ask you in, back in February how you've gone with this one word for your next 12 months. And once you've found that one word, frame it. Frame it. Um, put it up in a place. Write it with lipstick on the mirror. Whatever it might mean for you, make sure it's nice and clear in front of you. A word that is focusing you throughout the year because the decision to be faithful in the small things makes a big, big difference. My prayer for you in 2020 is that God will birth in you a God-centered idea because He is doing a new thing, I believe, in your life because it's often the small things that no one sees that results in the big things that everyone wants. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Let me pray for us as we reflect, as we consider, because I want to I wanna get a bit of a, an idea um, from you this morning as we respond to this living word of God this morning, as all heads are bowed and all eyes are closed, for you this morning, immediately you know in your heart of hearts what this one word is. I don't want to know it. I don't need to know it just this moment. I'm more than happy to hear from you. But right now in your heart of hearts, you know 
what this one word is. If that's you, would you raise your hand to heaven and just say, yeah, thank you. It's all hands. It's hands are being raised. I know that's not everyone. This is not everyone at the moment because some of us need time. I'm one of those people who needs time. Thank you. Just keep your hands towards heaven just for a moment. Just put your hands towards You know that one word. Thank you. Thank you. Just a bit more time. Thank you. Just keep your hand up to heaven. That one word, you know that. Thank you. As you just lower your hand down, thank you for responding. Maybe that next group of people here this morning, for you, um, it might mean that uh, God's really spoken to you about something specific out of this word this morning. And you're not responding to me, but responding to heaven this morning. Maybe there's something that you know in your heart of hearts you need to go and do in this next 12 months that you've been challenged by, encouraged by. And you feel equipped, ready to go and do that. Whatever that might mean for you. If that's you, would just really quickly just raise your hand to heaven. If that's you here this morning, that you know in your heart of hearts, there is something that's been laid. Thank you. Thank you. As hands go up across the auditorium. Once again, this is not for everyone. Some of us need a bit more time to reflect. Thank you. Thank you. And Heavenly Father, as we come to the end this morning, I'm thankful for each one as the hands are lowered here this morning. Help us to be faithful, we pray. Help us to be faithful in that which is small, that even when no one is looking, faithful with what you have put in front of us, faithful with the small things so you can trust us with even more. My prayer is that you would help us, that you would stretch us, that you would challenge us, that you would help us focus on the things that matter the most to you. We will not despise the day of small beginnings because we know that you rejoice over them and the small things are really big things that really matter to you and to us and to our future. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. With all that said and done, is it okay if we stand? Is it okay? We stand and sing our final this morning and give God the glory as we go into our new year.